things girlfriends share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? Welcome to Girlfriended. I'm Patty Lynn Wyatt, and I am your host for today. And we are interviewing Kurt Williams, who is a pastor, a writer, and a spiritual director. And Kurt, so excited to have you on the show again. Yeah. Uh, we were we were discussing your your book um, in the last segment, talking uh, about uh, echoing hope, and there are so many things that I want to ask you in such a short little time. But you you focus quite a bit of attention on the humanity of Jesus in your book, and why did you decide uh, to to emphasize that? And also, um, well. This is the problem with me. I go from one question, and as I ask it, my mind starts going into another question. <laughs> totally fine. And so uh, I just I want to kind of pause there because what I find fascinating, um, and I don't know, maybe it's just you know who I hang out with, but when I was in Egypt a couple of years ago, uh, just in the Muslim culture and in even some of the Christian um, Christians that are over there in Egypt. They love talking about Jesus in the, the, the few years that he walked on earth. And it's all about his leadership. It's all about his teaching. And I think I learned more when I travel into other places and hear how they talk about Jesus than when, you know, I've grown up in my in my Christian bubble. So in that question, did you travel and see some of that or what created Ooh. that passion for you? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a good question. So I, uh, there's a couple of layers to it. I was awakened to the fact that there is a whole human context that Jesus walks into. Um, you know, God didn't just come and like, Hey, I'm God. Hello. Like Jesus shows up in like Israel in the first century. And I think it was early on in college, I started just discovering through different books I was reading, different speakers I was listening to, that there's this ancient world that brings Jesus and the Bible to life. And so mm -hmm. one of the things that um, really started me, you know, if you read the book, it, there, there's quite a bit of this, there's a nerdy slant in there that I've tried to make really accessible, but it's in there. And that really comes out of my desire to say, the world Jesus walked in was like a real place. And, you know, to get even closer to your question, um, I've, I've been holding those interests for quite a while. And I went back to school um, part time and did a second degree. at. I went to the University of Washington just so I could study Jesus, Paul in their ancient mm -hmm. context. So I got to do that in a secular context. It's so cool. And in 2014, I got invited to a trip with an organization called the Global Immersion Project. And mm -hmm. what they do is they train people to be peacemakers. Um, and we went to Israel slash Palestine and had this amazing experience out there where we got to see, you know, all of the main historical sites in Jerusalem, et cetera, and, and learn about like the history. That was half of the trip. But the other half was 
let's talk to some on the ground Palestinian people who follow Jesus on the ground, Jewish people, and, and talk about conflict and how the way of Jesus maybe invites us to step into conflict differently. So I would say a combination of experiences definitely contribute because Jesus was in a very hostile context himself. Um, Roman Empire was running things. The, the Jewish people felt really like oppressed. And that's where Jesus ended up going. He didn't go to the easy place. He could have been born in Rome, but he's born in Bethlehem and uh, has to live in a context that isn't easy. And so all of that fascinates me. And so I had to make Echoing Hope um, as, as earthy and real as I could, um, given the confines of a book like this. Yeah. yeah. Okay, by any chance, do you know Lisa Jernigan? Because she... She is big on, yeah, Amplify Peace. I recognize that name, um, and I don't know how I would connect the dots in my brain right now. Um, okay. She yeah, does but a lot of the, she, she, she's the one of them that sends the tours, her and Danielle Strickland. and Oh, yeah, I know Danielle okay. um, for sure, and I probably have met, yeah, at least, okay, that, that makes sense. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's just such a small world. So she used to be the host with me for the last decade. And, and yeah, now she's she's doing the Amplify piece, mainly talking about what you just said. What happens, you know, when we step into this conflict? Wow. And, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so awesome. Send her, you to her so you can. That'd be amazing. They're pie. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. A couple of things there when you were talking about you know, Jesus could have been born in Rome and all that. But it made me think of, I read a book, uh, O'Reilly, I can't think. But anyway, he talked about, is it Ty Tiberius uh, that was ahead of, and just how horrible he was, right? Just oh, yeah. Horrific, oh, yeah. Like doing crazy things to boys and then throwing them off the cliff into the ocean. And <laughs> it, right. it, just, it makes me think of, you know, first of all, just, you, you know, the abuse that you went through, you go, okay, we thought it was so, so horrible in Rome and, and the Roman times. And, and we look at today and we think it, it can't get any worse, right? Like Jesus mm -hmm. has to come. But then when you do that comparison, you go, oh, well, <laughs> it was pretty yeah. bad back then. And I, I think of, you know, Jesus didn't sit there and, and fight Tiberius, right? He kept just doing the great commission, go out there, yeah. make disciples, love, you know, love Jesus, love others type, you know, mission and calling. And it, it makes me think of today's world with a lot of Christians. And I don't mean this to be judgmental, but kind of, okay. Um, <laughs> with social cool. media, when we're trying so hard to take a stance and fight for some of this, where I go, are we losing sight of just getting back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. so, oh my gosh. Thoughts on that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's that's something I lament about. I mean, you know, I talk about lament in the book as one of the practices to really step into our pain with Jesus. Um, that the Psalms give us this model that it's okay to cry out to God. It's okay to tell God, I feel forsaken, which Jesus does on the cross, you know, that that's totally valid. And when I think about these issues that you're bringing up, the perception of Christianity in American culture, for instance, as 
um, bigoted or highly politicized. Um, you know, all of the stereotypes that have come mm -hmm. out through social media, especially, I, I lament. I, I wept in my car the other day, just driving and just was like, God, how do I even step in here? Yeah. You know, and I've tr I'm trying, you know, I, I really am. And I think a lot of us are, but it is, it is a hard context. And I think absolutely the way forward for the church in North America, if we're going to have credibility for the next generation is to say, okay, we have all of these ideologies that we were born into, um, you know, whether it's politics or other things that we don't even notice every day. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is that um, if other people in other places in the world with totally different kinds of things they're born into are also following Jesus, it needs to clue us into the fact that maybe some of these extras aren't actually Christ-like. And so what do we need to get back to? A Jesus-centered way of life, a Jesus-centered way of living out the, the gospel as church communities. And so mm -hmm. I want to get all of my value from Jesus and then say, okay, I was born into a situation where politics, for instance, looks this way. Um, how does Jesus challenge my assumptions mm -hmm. rather than trying to do what I did for many years of my life and take my assumptions and put them onto the Bible and say, oh, of course, all the things I think are here. Um, Jesus is way too confrontational, way too interested in our actual transformation for us to be passive and uh, over accommodating to what we're born into as far as ideas, values, culture, etc. Um, so I, I think Jesus is uh, inviting us to say, D can we actually be centered on him again? And and that's not a judgment, like you were saying, like in the sense of like, therefore Christians who disagree with me are all bad. Or yeah. Jesus is very much like, is willing to take whatever he can get, I think. At the same time, is always trying to get us to the next stage of grace, the next stage of goodness, the next stage of authentic Christian living. And so um, I'm optimistic that there's enough of us out there that are yearning for more Jesus, not less, but um, we are in a really hard time and social media certainly doesn't make it easier. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I don't always want to poo-poo social media because technology has been amazing. And Absolutely. we can see in Revelations that I how how this is all going to flow in where every knee will bow you know we, mm -hmm. you can see how we're going to be able to see it all because every single person is going to have a cell phone in their hand yeah. and so you know technology has amazing and and how we're able to get the gospel out but mm -hmm. it it's also crazy with um anxiety and and so many other things especially mm -hmm. you have a couple of daughters so yeah. you're probably already seeing uh, how social media is is affecting them. And sure. you also talk about in your book how a lot of what took place in your childhood has created fear and anxiety. How, how are you dealing with that? Because I feel mm -hmm. like anxiety, well, you just can't really go a couple of days without that, hearing that word or thinking about that or especially seeing it in mm -hmm. our youth of how they're dealing yeah. with anxiety. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a big, big thing. You know, um, yeah, you you look at social media and um, and I, I'm pro-social media, although the polarization and the, you know, the fakeness of it are also huge problems. And um, 
And so when I think about my own identity formation, and then I start thinking about my daughters, um, I get concerned that um, what's being portrayed to them is uh, a lot of fear, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think social, what gets numbers, you know, in the social media world up, well, there's like super encouraging things that like make your heart melt and there's fear, right? And that's over, over the top kind of stereotype, but like um, my kiddos have been born into a world where fear is driving the narrative in more direct ways than ever before. You, you open up your iPhone or whatever phone you happen to have, and you look at your newsfeed, and my goodness, every day there's something that has gone wrong in the world, and it hurts. And I think we need to empathize with those pains and those yeah. heartaches. But man, after a while, you get so much information that the anxiety you already have just in your own little town, your own little space, you know, your friends are struggling, your, you know, things are going your way. That's already hard enough. And then you amplify it with all of this access to the world's pain that we have. And I'll tell you, the, the, um, the overwhelming like burden that's placing on people, I think is definitely sending more people um, who have resources to therapy and and those who don't to deep depression. And, and I think we need to hold those folks. And so for my daughters, I just hope and pray that um, be, they, they follow Jesus in such a way that they can navigate that complex world that's only getting more complex. And thus anxiety is gonna go up. And um, yeah, anxiety from my childhood without social media is already hard enough. Man, I, I don't know. The next the next couple generations are gonna really have to navigate fresh resources for holding anxiety in new ways, I think. Yeah. All right. I, I have a couple questions. I wanna know what you do, what is a as a tool or a tip that you can give mm. us for anxiety, but I also wanna know your favorite story of Jesus or or Paul that as a pastor, you just love, like you have it down. Like you go, okay, this is, this is my gig. I have it down. But I'm laughing because as I ask that question in your book, you talk about the, you know, the dance of pain and hope. And I just did that. Yeah. I was like, tell me your pain, tell me your tools. And then let's, let's talk about yeah. Jesus. So there's the dance right there. And I didn't realize mm. how often we do that until I, I read your book. So first of all, tool and what do you do for anxiety? Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So on, on the tool anxiety part, um, you know, I, I have for years, I believed that all of my past trauma, all of my past abuses and pain would be just Jesus healed them. And so I had, I had those in the past. Occasionally I felt them, but they're back there somewhere. And so my mechanism for many years was, Jesus, I'm going to pray if I have anxiety and you're going to take it away somehow. And sometimes I would convince myself that that had happened. Sometimes I think Jesus was very gracious and like, this guy really needs a little extra grace today, maybe. What I now think is that um, I, I step into anxiety and I invite Jesus into that space with me and I, I try to actually let it affect me. Rather than pushing and fighting it as an enemy, I actually am trying to learn, and this is a process and I'm not perfect at this. I'm trying to learn to let anxiety be real to me because it is what's real. And, and so how do I do that? Well, when I'm anxious, of course I talk to people that I trust, but 
beyond that, what I try to do is say, okay, I'm anxious right now. Jesus, what are we going to do with this? Mm-hmm. And, and I bring it to Jesus in that posture. And I, I tell a little silly, it's a real short story in the book, which not everyone will catch right away, probably on the first reading, but the, a story of feeling that anxiety and feeling led, okay, I've got to go on a little walk and just walk. And on my walk, I literally asked Jesus in, in my prayerful way, hey, can you take this anxiety away? Because I, this is hard, Jesus. And, and I almost sensed in that moment that Jesus kind of with a playful grin looked at me and said, you know, I'm not going to take it away, but I'll help you walk through it. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, learning to graciously walk through anxiety um, while also not allowing it to like snowball out of control. So everyone has to kind of know their limits. But for me, I'm learning to try and let it affect me and also bring others in when I need to. And certainly bring Jesus into the conversation. So that's that's kind of maybe more about my posture towards anxiety that's shifted over the years. My story is, man, I have a lot. But I think for our purposes, I will say John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene weeping in the garden. Jesus's body has been removed. And so it's like insult to injury moment. Not only is her Lord, her master, her hopes and dreams that were buried with Jesus no longer there, like someone has desecrated even his memory in her mind. But, you know, where is she going to go from here? And yet, of course, the beautiful part of the story is when Jesus comes in and says her name, Mary, and everything opens up and her world is now full of possibilities. And she realized that Jesus is raised from the dead. And um, I think for every one of us who are followers of Jesus, we we authentically are like Mary Magdalene, and we're going to have moments of weeping and frustration and pain and distance experientially. At least we think we're distant from God. And the whole time, God was actually there. Jesus was actually there as the gardener in the story, disguised mm-hmm. almost, and she didn't know it. And then eventually she realized it. And for me, there's something so beautiful about our own pain Um, drawing us into what is real, but drawing us through it. And then the surprise that, wow, Jesus is actually there. And that's Mm. a gift. Mm. I I just want to pause right there. That the way that you um, created that, that he was the gardener and, and he was right there. And and you're so right. Uh, We want this, at least I do. I want this instant genie that when I am begging God to show up and I'm like, okay, Jesus, sustain me, like sustain me now. And it's like, I'm almost demanding. (laughs) And he, you know, he's probably just sitting there going, Patty, 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 Patty. It's like, I'm right here. What do you want? Do you want your Rocky Road ice cream to, you know, prove it to you? (laughs) And he's just, he's, he's right there in this very peaceful way. And um, we just want and expect him to show up the way we want him to. Yeah. And yeah. when I get angry, I I think of, well, you weren't here for me with this. And you weren't there when I asked, you know, for this. And, and where are you in this situation? Um, rather than pausing and and look at, you know, the fact that you said he was a gardener. Um, think of where he's he's pruning and gardening on us daily. Oh my goodness. I I love that imagery. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I, uh, honestly, I don't know that the way I just connected it, I think it comes through in the book when I talk about it, 
but there's something about our conversation that just personalized it in a new way. So I appreciate your reflection too. I, I'm going to be sitting with that, like, whoa, like he's really here, even if I don't notice. And yeah, what a beautiful, what a beautiful thing. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we are coming to a close and I just, if you were to say, you know, one huge tip for that person out there that is dealing with, you know, where is Jesus? And, and, you know, by the way, hello, I, I need you right now. And maybe they're just looking at the world in general going, I, I'm not in a happy place like this pandemic and the stress. And a lot of people are losing their jobs and they're having to, uh, you know, take their kids into zoom and then get on zoom. I mean, it, it can be chaotic and I, I know for me, I look at it and go, like you said, hey, this is cool. I get to go play Uno, you know, during recess. It's like, what are some other yeah. tips that you can share with with everyone as to this is the hope that goes along mm. with, with your book? Which, by the way, I love after your um, chapters, how you give us that, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, this is the discussion. This is what you need to think about. Let it resonate with you. Mm. So what's one of those that we can leave today and just resonate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think if I were to just give one and I've already alluded to it earlier, I think um, in chapter four, I talk about the the why question, why does suffering happen? But where I end up landing is what we're invited to do is we won't always know exactly why, but we do know what God invites us to do when we suffer. And that's a lament. And mm -hmm. so at the end of that particular chapter, I have an exercise where, um, and I can't, I can't, currently recall which psalm, but I invite folks to look at a psalm of lament and notice the pattern of everything is terrible, everything is hard, but yet I will trust in you. You know, it's that kind of pattern. And I invite people to actually write their own psalm of lament out. It doesn't have to be poetic, but what it does is it gives you a chance to express exactly what you're feeling and, and to tell God exactly what you're feeling. And I think when we can actually get it out, there's an opportunity then to experience God's love come in in a unique way. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, Kurt. And, and thank you for being on the show. It truly has been an honor. And uh, I just appreciate what just you writing this book and being mm -hmm. obedient to, to God's calling. And with that, go run and subscribe to Girlfriend It. You can ask Alexa or you can Google uh, Google Podcast. And subscribe to Girlfriend It. Thank you, Kurt, for being on the show today. And run and go get his book, uh, Echoing Hope. And thanks again, Kurt. Oh, what a gift. Thank you. Seriously, what a gift. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It, because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.